Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is The Fray Podcast, brought to you by TheFray.com, a place for women who want more from life. Today's podcast is a conversation with Kate James. Now, Kate is an incredible woman. She's many things. And just to name a few, she is a life and business coach, as well as an author. During our conversation today, we touch on topics that include values and purpose and strength and what to do when you have that overwhelming sensation of feeling lost in life. We get into it, and I think you'll really enjoy this conversation. I know I certainly enjoyed speaking with Kate. Before we get into our episode, I wanted to take a minute to let you know this episode of the podcast is brought to you by my friends over at Nutra Organics, and in particular, it's brought to you by a new product of theirs, which is their new tropical-flavored Collagen Beauty. Now, if you're not across Collagen Beauty, it's kind of one of those cult products that Nutra Organic has. It's all about nourishing your skin, hair, and nails from within with Collagen Beauty. It is formulated by naturopaths, to help you glow from the inside out with Verisol. It's a bioactive collagen peptide. It also has vitamin C and zinc. Our skin is made up of over 75% collagen, and that begins to degenerate in our mid-20s. Lordy, lordy for us who are in our mid-30s. When we begin to show the signs of aging skin, and it's accelerated by other lifestyle and environmental factors as well. So Collagen Beauty is a natural formulation with peptides to support structural integrity of skin and to decrease skin aging factors after just eight weeks of use. It supports the quality of skin and of the entire body and has even been known to smooth skin wrinkles from within. So Collagen Beauty is all about increasing skin hydration and improving moisture levels increasing skin elasticity, antioxidant protection, supporting healthy hair and nails, and also promotes skin healing. And that aside, it's a protein as well. I really, really like Collagen Beauty. I also love Collagen Build. But in exciting news with Collagen Beauty specifically, they have launched a new flavor. And that new flavor is Tropical Collagen Beauty. So it is an infusion of mango and pineapple. So that's really, really exciting. They do have other flavored collagen beauties as well. I really like the wild berry flavor, but this tropical one is so, so good. I think that you're really going to love it. So jump over to the Nutra Organics website and check it out. It's one of those products that's just super easy to consume. You just pop it in a bit of water in your water bottle and drink it as you go. 
And if you do want to try out any of the Nutra Organics products, please make sure you use the code KYLIE15, all in capitals, and you will receive 15% off the Nutra Organics range. And I will have a direct link to shop the range in the show notes for you as well. Now, let me tell you a little bit about today's guest. Kate James is a life, business and leadership coach. She is an author as well of no less than six books, a mindfulness teacher and speaker, and she is the founder of Total Balance, which she founded in early 2002. Kate has worked with clients from all walks of life. She's helped artists, lawyers, yoga teachers, entrepreneurs, spiritual healers, CEOs, and stay-at-home mums. Kate's latest book is titled Change Your Thinking to Change Your Life. And I saw that book title in my local bookstore and I thought straight away, okay, this sounds like a book that I would enjoy and this sounds like a woman that I would love to speak with. And that's why I reached out to Kate. And I'm really glad I did. I really enjoyed our conversation. I will also just let you know that throughout our conversation, you may hear some construction sounds happening. I'm very sorry about that. If I could eradicate all of the construction that is happening around my house right now, trust me, I probably would. It's very bothersome, but I think that in this episode, it should be fairly minimal, but I just wanted to flag that because you are not going batty if you do hear some power tools in the background or construction sounds at different points during our conversation. That aside, I think you'll still really, really enjoy this content and this conversation, and please do let me know what you think. It would mean the world to me if you take a screenshot, pop this episode up on your Instagram stories, tag me at Kylie Camps or at The Fray with an underscore, and then I can share on my stories as well. All right, let's get stuck into my conversation with Kate James on purpose. Kate, thank you so much for taking time out of your morning to have this conversation with me today. I've been so looking forward to it. My pleasure, Kylie. Thank you for having me on your show. Awesome. I would love to just dive straight into exploring the topic of purpose with you. Okay. Well, it's a big topic and I could talk about it probably at length, but I'll try not to go on too much. So when we think about purpose, um, really we want to think about why we do what we do. So we can apply this to any area of our life. A lot of people think that the idea of having a sense of purpose in your life means needs to mean something really big and lofty, but it can actually be, we can bring it right down to a kind of granular level and a really everyday level and think about what makes your life feel meaningful in some way. So what gives you a sense of purpose in the choices that you make, and it can be applied to really anything. So let's say, for example, that we want to apply it with regard to work. Um, In my work, when I first started doing coaching, which is about 20 years ago, I really actually wasn't that clear about my sense of purpose. But as time has gone on, there have been different opportunities that I've had that have pushed me outside my comfort zone. And it's then that I found it really helpful to call on why I would do the stuff that made me uncomfortable. So, for example, one of those things was public speaking. And I had always said that I wouldn't do any public speaking at all. But when I began to sort of explore this idea of purpose, and I was working with a speaking coach at the time, 
uh, it really made it made a really big difference in terms of me pushing myself a little bit, uh, you know, outside that comfort zone and doing things that felt like they weren't my natural strengths. So in that moment, you know, when I very first started speaking and I was just running small meditation classes, so it wasn't anything really challenging, I had to think about what would make this feel as though it was bigger than me. And I think that that's probably at the core of, you know, a real sense of purpose. It's really something that goes beyond just you as an individual. And my purpose then was sharing something that had made such a significant difference in my life, which was learning to meditate. Um, And that was something that I'd learned about 28 years ago. So, you know, quite a few years before I'd started my business and I'd been meditating every day. So my clients were people who were coming to me. Uh, crea- I, was, I do a lot of work with creatives and a lot of work around self-belief and helping people to feel as though they can achieve the things that they set out to achieve. Um, and the people who were coming to me were going through some kind of transition and they, they were stressed and so they needed some something to help them with stress and meditation seemed the most obvious thing. So coming back to that sense of purpose really gave me a reason to get out of my own way and to start running these classes. I think defining what purpose is in this context is so helpful, Kate, because as I mentioned to you before we hit record, when I took the idea of talking about purpose to the Frey Facebook group, a lot of the responses were surrounding how heavy the term purpose felt to them and I completely understand and I resonate with what they're saying because it almost feels as though oh if you don't know what your purpose is you're less than people who do know what their purpose is or it can start to feel like oh it's just another thing that you have to know have to do have to be and I guess I wanted to start with the definition of purpose and the way you've explained it as purpose for you is much more about understanding that you're more than just an individual and how you can feel you know a sense of fulfillment in your life versus purpose being one specific mission and I think that's where it's a bit of a definition problem from the feedback I was getting I was kind of thinking oh to me it just sounds like they've got this idea that purpose has to be one clear linear path and if you don't know what that linear path is then you're not on purpose you're not on track where really what I hear from you is it's such a, a broader concept of just adding fulfilment to your life. Most definitely. The other thing that I encounter a lot is that people think that living a purposeful life means that they've got to um, stop working in that kind of job that they're in right now. So, for example, years ago I worked with a client who female client who was working in advertising. In fact, she still works in advertising. And she had uh, an accident and it was this pivotal moment in her life where she thought, I'm not doing anything purposeful. I need to change my life. And so she enrolled in a, um, a coaching course, actually. She thought that she really wanted to help people. And she got partway through that coaching course and thought about what she would do at the end of it. Um, that she felt would be very purposeful and what she recognized was that helping people in that kind of way the the way that I help people working with people one-on-one every day was actually not really using her strengths and it didn't really resonate with her she was doing it because she thought she should she thought she should find some more purposeful role than working in advertising exactly that's right and also there's this sort of 
kind of snobbery around purpose in a way. Like, you, you know, it's more purposeful people think to work for a not-for-profit than it is to work for, you know, let's say in this case an advertising agency. But we need to take away the judgment, I think. Yeah, and, and the, from, ro- the romanticising of purpose as well. Definitely, exactly. That's right. It's not practical for all of us to go and, you know, build orphanages in Africa or whatever. Um, but in her case, we really began to look at, and I actually probably should have said this in the intro as well, when we think about purpose, we want to we want to consider what are your natural strengths. So in her case, what are her natural strengths? What are her values? The values are the guiding principles by which she wants to live and they're unique to her. They don't have to be prescriptive in any way. And how does she want to show up in the world and make a difference? You know, what are the things that really matter most to her? And what we came to was that she is actually a really natural-born leader and what she felt would be more purposeful for her was being an exceptional leader in the workplace, which meant, you know, a a form of leadership that we might call humble leadership, where she's a really great listener, where she's really willing to champion other young people coming through the ranks underneath her So she was using all of her strengths and contributing where she was. She didn't need to change anything in her outside world, but she just shaped it differently. So she goes to work now with that sense of why, why she's doing what she's doing. And it's not about selling stuff. And, you know, she knows that there is some element of her work that may not feel so purposeful, but there is also an element that is really purposeful. So it's not about getting it perfectly right either. It's it's like just start with where you are. Yeah, so it's less about that empirical version of purpose that's up on a pedestal and it's more about going, okay, what is your life like now? What are your values now? And how can you live a life that's aligned with those values so you have a sense of purpose? Yes, and I think the ultimate goal of all of this is it makes your life feel more meaningful and more as though, you know, I guess in a way it's sort of true for you, you know. So for each of us, if we can define our values, if we can understand what is it that matters most to you in terms of how you live your life every day, um, you might decide that your purpose in life is to, you know, for example, bring a bit of lightness and humour into other people's lives. Like that's purposeful. You know, if you're naturally someone who's lighthearted and funny and entertaining and you really care about sort of bringing joy into people's lives, that's purposeful. So it doesn't need to be heavy or serious. It's just whatever it is for each individual. So more about connecting with who you are, less about striving towards a certain mission. Yes. And I think this is where the work of strengths is actually really important. So the strengths work comes from positive psychology and it's been around for about, I think it's about 30 years now, maybe 20, 20 something years. Um, It was new when I first started my coaching business and Martin Seligman had just developed this concept that in traditional psychology, what psychologists were looking at was diagnosing you know whatever your flaws were like you know potentially here's all your trauma and your weakness and yeah all the things that are wrong with this which we all have by the way and then he said you know the thing that we're overlooking is that we're not looking at what is right with people and building on that so he developed this strengths test which is still available online and you can take it for free it's called the VIA signature strength survey 
And when we know our strengths, we when we know our natural strengths, these are the things that we do that energise us. They're the things that we do that come naturally to us. Very often they're the things that we do that feel effortless to us. So we may not recognise our strengths as being our strengths. We very often when um, when I do strength surveys with clients, they'll say, oh, yeah, but that's nothing because it comes so effortlessly, because yeah. it's so it's natural. easy to minimise that natural inclination because it's just second nature. That's right, exactly. And yet when we do engage our strengths fully and, and not too much, by the way, so we can actually overuse the strength as well, so you've got to get the balance exactly right, but when we engage our strengths fully and go out in the world utilising our strengths and living in alignment with our values and then really thinking about how we want to be in the world, how we want to make our own lives meaningful and maybe you might even think about the lives of the people around you. I think that that's living the kind of life that feels more fulfilling and more meaningful. And what does it feel like or in your experience, what do you observe the experience could be for people when they don't know, when they're not connected to their values? How do people feel? Yeah, so a lot of clients who come to me feel somewhat lost. You know, they're not sure about what their direction is. And I think also they can feel as though potentially there's something wrong with them or that they need to change. And this is very much a, uh, a factor, I suppose, when we are outward looking. When we look at other people and we say, um, you know, when we compare ourselves to other people, let's say, we we look at them and we think about what they're doing and whether we need to do more of that. And I think with social media, we probably do that more than we ever have done before. We're looking outwardly for what potentially makes life feel fulfilling instead of looking inwardly. So when we look inward and we say, all right, well, there's all that stuff out there that I could subscribe to, but is it really true for me? Is it, does it really feel right for me or do I choose something different? And so you mentioned that feeling of feeling lost and mm. potentially, I guess, another way to explain that is flailing or untethered or as Adam Grant calls it, in this sort of post-pandemic or mid-pandemic, wherever we are phase, that languishing experience of being neither here nor there if a client comes to you Kate and they are experiencing those things do you begin with identifying strengths and values is that kind of the first in for you very often it is it depends on how the client is feeling within themselves so um, a lot of my work sits around the framework of mindfulness and I'm really interested in how we bring mindfulness to life in our everyday and it's been such a big part of my own life that it's something I'm really passionate about. So it might be that if someone's actually, if they come in and they're feeling anxious or ungrounded, that we might begin by thinking about what is it that gets you feeling grounded and how do you come back to being connected with your own experience and that might be just some simple practices that are utilising tools of mindfulness like coming back into the present moment and and noticing what's actually really here. You know, how do I feel at the moment? What are my patterns of thinking? Um, so getting yourself feeling grounded might be the first place. And then for each client, it's actually pretty different. So I don't have a prescriptive program in that, you know, we do this in the first session and that in the second session. 
it is really very much about meeting the individual where they are and then deciding what is going to be the best way forward for them. But for most people, identifying their strengths and their values is really helpful and and it's often actually quite enlightening. Um, I was telling you earlier that I run these live sessions on Insight Timer, which is a meditation app. And today's session was around building confidence for introverts. I work a lot with introverts. I work with a lot of creative people and many of them identify as introverts. And, and many of them also say that they're quite sensitive. And in some kinds of um, settings, I guess, those things are considered to be problematic But in fact, if we can embrace those as strengths and see them not as flaws, but just who you are as an individual, so really kind of coming back to that sense of being grounded and present to who you are and, and, you know, what's important to you, then I think it's a very different experience going forward because instead of having that narrative inside yourself, you know, the strong inner critic saying, you need to be different, you need to change, look out there at what those people are doing, you need to be more like them, you really start to learn about what's true for you. Mm, I love that. And when you are encouraging your clients to become more mindful or lean into mindfulness, and I guess that grounding sense, how much acceptance or surrender is involved? Because I feel like, you know, specifically myself, I feel like a lot of my day I'm kind of resisting how I feel because it's like oh that feels too big I don't want to lean into that feeling it feels too big it feels too scary but when I actually soften into it and just accept oh I feel anxious or oh I feel sad it it sort of dissipates it's so interesting isn't it that is that's a really core principle of mindfulness just making room for what's here so the very simple definition of mindfulness is paying attention in the present moment on purpose and without judgment. And the without judgment part, I think, is the really hard part because we want to cling on to favourable experiences and we want to push away the unfavourable ones. But if we can create this sense of equanimity, which is really another word for balance, you know, just allowing everything to be as, as it is, I think that that's what you're calling acceptance it's just making peace with the whatever the current experience is and that doesn't actually mean that we then uh, never have an opinion about wanting to change things in the world you know we can still be proactive about uh, creating change we don't have to just accept everything but we do it from a place of mindful awareness and that might mean that our conversation or the way that we approach a difficult subject is a bit more discerning um, than than being something that we do with heightened emotion. And when you speak about helping clients to recognise and connect with their strengths and also accept where they are, when it comes to building self-belief that they kind of can move themselves forward and they can learn and they can grow, what are some actual, I guess... Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Tangible 
actions people can take? Well, for everyone, it's a bit different. But I think the from my own perspective, and this is work that I've done for myself for the last, well, I'm approaching 60 now, so probably really 40 years, I started really getting interested in personal development in my early 20s. Um, the first thing I think is getting to know yourself well. So really understand who you are and, you know, whatever tools help with that. But I think strengths work certainly helped me with that. But also just acknowledging these are the things that energise me and these are the things that don't. So for me, learning about introversion was really helpful. Um, you know, understanding that I'm, that yes, I am sensitive and that can sometimes be a flaw, but it can also be a strength. So really getting to know yourself well is the first step. And then I think exploring, so the values are helpful because they they give you a sense of what matters most in your life and for each of us it's going to be different. Um, exploring what your values are. So for me, my top value is inner harmony. I really value feeling at peace. But that might not be someone else's top value. They might say, that sounds a bit boring to me. I'd prefer to have adventure as my top value. So it's not, again, it's not prescriptive. It's not saying, well, my values are better than yours. Everyone's values are their values. But knowing what it is you're working towards, I have another value of connection. I want to feel connected with myself, but also really deeply connected with the people around me and a deep connection with nature. And that for me feels almost kind of spiritual. Um, so that sense of spirituality is important in my life and as is creativity. So always to have something that I'm creating, even though I wouldn't have said I describe myself as a creative person 20 years ago, I would have said I'm not creative at all. I can't paint. I can't draw. I can't sing. Uh, Depends on the learned, definition. Yeah. yeah, I've learned that we're all creative and actually our creative practices really help us to connect with ourselves. Um, yeah. So those things, and then I think the next thing is just really practical, which is about, so we're talking about building self-belief. It is about adopting what Carol Dweck in her book Mindset calls a growth mindset, and that is knowing that if you want to build your self-belief or if you want to create change in your life, you very often have to step outside your comfort zone. Um, and have to stretch a little. You've got to stretch yourself a little. And it's interesting because that then creates this sort of feedback loop. So we push ourselves outside our comfort zone, we learn something about ourselves and that in turn builds our confidence. And when you say it's so important to get to know yourself, I imagine for a lot of people as they do get to know themselves, they become aware of that inner critic, that voice that kind of talks back or that voice that wants to keep you small, keep you safe, stop you from stretching. How do you encourage clients to, I mean, I don't know, do you encourage clients to sort of engage in a dialogue with their inner critic or how do you sort of approach that internal battle that so many of us go through day yeah. to day? <laughs> yes, that's right, we do. The inner critic is strong in all of us and, you know, even after 28 years of meditating, I still have an inner critic and all the reading that I've done about this stuff. So we're not going to get rid of it completely. The work that I did, I went and did some training quite a few years ago on self-compassion, um, which is really incredible work, comes from the the teacher who I trained under is uh, Dr. Kristen Neff. Oh, I've got her coming up in an episode soon. Oh, her work is amazing. She's it's incredible. Really incredible. And it's, it's um, she's done a lot of research into this space. So, um, 
it is backed by research and it's quite interesting that the more that we can create this sort of kind relationship with ourselves um, she'll tell you about the three elements of self-compassion that she's identified but the first is self-kindness as opposed to self-criticism so we want to be able to find this voice of an inner supporter if you like and the more that we can do this the more that we're able to make peace with our supposed flaws if you like you know we're not looking for perfection um, but we can say to the inner critic so we can have an internal dialogue I think that's a great way to put it and we can say to the inner critic look thank you you know that's it's helpful that you're saying to me don't make an idiot of myself when I go up there on stage and you know give this presentation but we could also listen to the inner supporter or inner mentor who says you know what you're going to be okay yeah, a lot of that kind of reminds me of the inner child type of work, isn't it? You know, there's someone smaller inside of you who's saying, no, stay safe, don't do this. And for me, the way that I kind of talk to that inner critic is literally by trying to sort of soothe that inner child of saying, I get it, I hear you, I know, like I know that you're uncomfortable, but you've survived every single time you've done something uncomfortable and you're going to be okay. So I guess that's kind of the same thing, but another way to almost look at it. Definitely. And I really love that work, the parts work it's called. I wrote about this in a chapter in my most recent book. Um, and if, interestingly, a couple of people have written in the reviews of my recent book that they didn't love this chapter, but I really, I loved unpacking it. And the reason I think that people didn't love it is it's a bit more complex. I drew on the work. It's, it's another little bit of training that I've done Um Called it, the work is called Internal Family Systems by a guy called Richard Schwartz. You're familiar yeah, with it? I am. <laughs> yeah. And I really love this work, this sense that we have within each of us a whole lot of different parts of ourselves. So we do all have an inner child, a vulnerable, a vulnerable inner child, and we also have that inner critic who's really kind of trying to protect you. And we have a whole lot of other parts. So you know, I have a mother part and a grandmother part and a, a, a creative business owner part and so on. And at the back, if you like, or separate to all the others, I've got self-energy and self-energy is the part of me that witnesses what's going on. You know, the the part of me that is able to observe the thoughts. So I might see that oh, that's the voice of the inner critic, or I might see that there's the voice of the vulnerable little girl, or, you, you know, that's the, that feeling of hurt that I've just experienced is actually like the wounding of the inner child. And then with self-energy, but I also like to call on a bit of that sort of nurturing mother energy as well. I can have a conversation with myself and say, you know what, that was hard for you, but you're going to be okay. So important. And I really am drawn to the internal family systems way of explaining it because I guess that's how I kind of make sense of all of the, you know, all of the chatter in my mind at times and that feeling of kind of being a bit discombobulated of knowing what you should do versus knowing what you actually do versus knowing why you're doing it and all of that stuff. And then when you zoom out and you realise you've got like your present self and then your experiential self and it's just, it's so fascinating and I can understand why people want to look away from that because it's like, oh, that's too many layers and it's too much to sort of take on. But for me, the most important part, as you shared, is knowing when to lean on that internal mothering energy for myself and almost that reparenting 
of going, oh, I can see, I can see a childhood belief is triggered for you right now. And it makes sense. It makes sense that you're having this physiological response, but you're okay. Like, and I think that's the only way I have been able to access self-compassion is by doing it through that way of going, oh, look, you're silly. You made this mistake, you poor little thing. And I guess as a mum, that's easier for me because it's the sort of compassion I give to my kids as well. So it's yeah. trying to trying to give that to myself, which it's not always easy at all. No, definitely. I love that description. And, and I also find that that's a really helpful way of building self-compassion. The, the younger parts of us, all of us, and it doesn't matter how good our, the parenting was, and I think we probably do the same thing to our own kids. We wish we didn't, but we're, not, we're just not going to get it all right. No one gets out of childhood without some sort of limiting belief that's going to cause them trauma and triggering and all of that stuff. Definitely, that's right. And it comes from partly our, our childhood experiences, but also partly our character. You know, So some of us are just born a bit more sensitive than others. Um, and also our family of origin, obviously. But I think that if we can access that beautiful nurturing energy, the thing about it that's really liberating is that we start to take responsibility for offering ourselves love and kindness. And that means then we're less dependent on the people around us to do it. And the funny paradox with this is that the more we're able to offer it to ourselves, the more we're able to be or the, the less judgmental we are in our relationships. So the more compassionate we can be in our relationships, you know, we can forgive ourselves for our flaws and then we can forgive our partners, our friends, our parents, our children. Absolutely. I think that's why doing your own self-work is so important because it overflows. You know, I had someone recently say to me on social media, don't you ever get sick of trying to work out why you are the way you are or exploring different things? And firstly, yes, <laughs> sometimes I wish I could just take my brain out and go, let's have a break. But ultimately, I think it's it's a real gift because when you do have that empathy and understanding of why you are the way you are, it really does extend to other people. And then you can look past some of the symptomatic behavior that otherwise could cause you offense to actually see the real root and the real cause. Totally. And, you know, this brings us all the way back around to where we started, which is then that sense of purpose. Why do you do this? You know, people might say, well, it's just self-absorbed to look inward and, and to try and understand yourself and to be constantly navel-gazing. <laughs> and I'm like you. I think sometimes life would be it's a whole lot easier if I was just sort of able to live up here on the surface, but I'm not. Um, but I think if we recognise the purpose in this is not just uh to make ourselves feel better it is to be better people in the world to show up as the best versions of ourselves and to create the best relationships that we can by if we understand ourselves well then we will be able to offer the people around us more understanding more acceptance and as you say we can look beyond the immediate behavior and see that underneath that very often people who are behaving poorly are behaving from a place of pain mm-hmm place of a hurt in a child even definitely that's right yeah and so when people do come to you Kate and say I don't know what my purpose is I'm lost I can't do this I'm not sure you would then sort of explore with them ways that they can be more grounded which could of course include mindfulness I'm sure it includes meditation because I know you're a champion for meditation also assessing their strengths and their values 
where else do you like to bring their attention to when you are exploring the topic of purpose? Sometimes it can be, oh, and by the way, I just want to touch on that meditation comment because I think, you you know, you're right. I'm so passionate about it, but I also want to say that for some people it's not the right thing. So sitting and meditating isn't right for everyone. And if you're someone who can't feels like you can't meditate, movement meditation can be really helpful. So to find any way to get into that state of oneness, at one with what you're doing, you know, really coming back into the present moment, even if it's just stopping and sitting and drinking your cup of tea mindfully, like really being aware of how your tea tastes and smells and really bringing yourself into the present moment, that can be helpful. So you don't have to meditate, but there are lots of different ways to meditate. And often if people explore different types of meditation, they can find one that's sort of helpful for them. Um, So what else can we do? I, I actually think that at a really practical level, we can get clear about the kind of life we want to create for ourselves. So doing some vision work, you know, creating a picture of the kind of life that you'd want to create for yourself, maybe five or 10 years from now. It's, it's good to have that longer time frame. In Less the sense, pressure on the now. Exactly. Yeah, you don't feel like, oh, gosh, I've got to do it all next week. But you, if you say five or ten years, you think, well, that's far enough away for me to imagine that anything's possible. And I'm a visual person, so I really love to create some imagery, imagery around that. I used to have a big pin. I don't have it here because we've moved house four years ago, but I had a big pin board behind my desk where I put photographs and oh I'm all for the vision board all for it it's great it's fun it's a bit light so that might be a nice entry point for people to just get a sense of what they want and then you can think about what is it within that that feels like it's going to make my life feel fulfilling so sometimes we can look to things that are a bit more surface um And when I mentioned to you earlier that I'm exploring the whole concept of confidence because I'm writing a new course about confidence, Um, and one of the things that's come up in this defining of confidence is also defining self-esteem. And one of the interesting findings is that when you have true self-esteem, when you have a real sense of self-worth, you don't actually need anything external or you don't need to worry about your appearance in order to feel valuable. So when we do our vision, we want to think about if you had a really healthy degree of self-esteem, if you felt truly worthy within yourself, are they the things that you would still want? Mm. Or are some of those things in there because they look good to the outside world? And then really just connecting with what matters most to you. I think that's key. I could not agree more and in the past I've spoken about vision boards because I really do think that they can be, yes, as you said, a really light, fun activity to do, but they can also give you so much insight into what the actual feeling is that you're wanting because, yes, you might go, oh, look, I've cut out a picture of a holiday in Mexico and at first glance that might seem like kind of, you know, a superficial thing or something, you know, that's not super important, but what's the actual feeling there? Is it adventure? Is it freedom? Is it connection with your family? And then going, you know what? I don't actually have to go to Mexico to get that. How can I bring that feeling into my everyday life? And the other thing that I've spoken about in the past that kind of goes hand in hand with that, and I don't know if this is wrong or right, but something I have found to be true for myself is that when I just act the way that I think I will act when I'm that person in the future, I start to feel like I'm that person. 
if that makes sense. You know, so many mums will say to me, oh, when I lose 10 kilos, I'll start swimming with my kids. And I'm like, no, 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 just start swimming with your kids now. And you'll find that your body image improves and you probably end up losing those 10 kilos because you're happier. You know, it's kind of like reverse reversing the system and kind of hacking it a little bit, I think. I love that. And I completely agree that we it's really about how we want to feel. I had um, for 10 years I had on my vision board the move away from the city to a place out of town. So we actually, we, we, we made the move. We live on the Mornington Peninsula, which is about 80 k's out of Melbourne. And for a while there in that 10-year period, just towards the end, about the eight-year mark, I completely lost confidence that we would ever achieve it. It was just, it just felt like it was that much out of reach. We couldn't, we wanted to have a little bit of land and it was just too expensive. And so I went, you know, I'm not going to do the vision this year. And so I didn't do it this one particular year. And instead I did an exercise that a girlfriend sent me called 100 Things. And it's where you write down 100 things that you want to achieve in your life. And and so I just wrote stream of consciousness. And I had things on there like wear gumboots on my land, you know, grow another flower garden, raise chooks again. We had chooks in one of our city houses, would you believe? Um things like that, that really made me recognise that actually I I wanted to feel like that. I wanted that sense of being really deeply connected with nature and having space around us and growing our own veggies and learning more about sustainability. And so then I redid the vision. I went, I have to go back to it because it's still there. So I lost my way a little bit, but I did did it in a different way. And that exercise connected me with the feelings, exactly as you're describing. Anyway, then what happened was a whole series of crazy serendipitous events and we ended up here on a couple of acres and it still blows me away to this day. Yeah, that's so nice. And I love that idea of the 100 things that you want to complete. Like straight away, as soon as you said that, my brain's like, yes, that's something I need to do. I love that concept. So I would encourage our listeners who feel connected to that to try it as well. Now, you mentioned the term serendipity. And what is your, I guess, relationship like with the word manifesting because the term manifesting is so popular right now particularly on social media I've got mixed feelings about it I I think sometimes it can get skewed a bit toward material things and toward those outward things that I was talking about before but I think if we come back to values, if we come back to feeling like this is what is really going to make my life feel meaningful and also come back to what you were talking about, which is how do I want to feel? I think that's so key. You know, how do I want to feel? What is it I want to create in my life? Not just from a place of sort of outward uh, appearances, but really the essence of this life. What do I want this to be? And I think then that takes us a little bit deeper and we might look at you know, the relationships we want to create. And for me, I probably didn't know it at the time, but I had this strong pull to live in nature for whatever reason. And having been here for four years, probably at about the two-year mark, I realised how healing it is. And, And I didn't know that at the time, and I might not have been able to use that word as I was kind of, you know, manifesting this beautiful dream of ours Uh, but it it was a feeling it was it was a bigger thing than any of the sort of external imagery of it all I guess 
I love that explanation of it. And yeah, it's one of those terms I have mixed feelings about it too, because, you know, there are so many TikToks and reels and Instagram posts about manifesting your dream life. And I do think it gets confused with the outward versus the internal experience. So thank you for sharing that. Now, you did mention that you have a course on Insight Timer. Could you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, so Insight Timer is an app that I began sharing my meditations on about six years ago. It's a free meditation app, so a really good one for beginners. And there are over 100,000 meditations on there, which can feel a little bit unwieldy, actually, to start with. Um, But so I started sharing my meditations on there. And then a few years ago, the team at Insight Timer decided that they wanted to offer content that would really create meaningful change in people's lives. So if you have the paid version of the app or you can just purchase the courses online for about $20, so it's not expensive, um, you can access the courses. And my this particular course of mine that's on there is called Build Self-Belief Through Mindful Action. And it introduces lots of the things that we've talked about today. And it's just, it's nice and quick and easy to do. It's only 10 minutes a day for 10 days. Um, and there are lots of other great courses on there as well that that sort of sit around the same kind of topic. That sounds amazing. I will definitely put a link in our show notes to that, as well as a link to your book, Change Your Thinking to Change Your Life. Kate, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you for standing by while we had those complications before we hit record. I appreciate your time and your patience today. And thank you for sharing your wisdom on the topic of purpose. Thanks so much for having me. It's been really lovely to chat to you, Kylie. This is what I want, this is what I need If you don't have to go, I can set you free Are you gonna make a move? Are you gonna come and see? Whatever you wanna do, you know it's cool with me Whisper in the dark, whispers in the dark You come to play, don't you? Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.